Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, Patrick. Hi. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Please pronounce your name for me so I can make sure I get it right. Uh, it's Patrick LeClerc. LeClerc. Okay, I was right. <laughs> that wasn't yep. as hard as I thought. <laughs> I am with Patrick LeClerc. He is a fantasy sci-fi multi-genre author. Patrick, we're going to jump in. I want to know, I know you had our latest release in October. Tell me a little bit about that one, and then we'll get the background on the rest of your book. Okay, so my latest book is uh, called The Beckoning Void. Um, it released on ebook on Halloween. Um, it just, just, just released on paperback, so I actually don't even have proof copies yet to hold up. Um, and it's a, it's kind of a Victorian science fiction. Um, it's, it's an action adventure. It's kind of like, if you think like a Jules Verne, H.G. Wells level of science fiction. So it's futurism, but it's past futurism. So there's um, airships and some extra, you know, technology, but it's largely set in the Victorian era. And we've got a, a um, band of kind of misfit heroes who have to save the world from a doomsday cult. And it involves a lot of uh, swashbuckling and sword fighting and ship combats and escapes and subterfuge and disguises and witty dialogue. And, and I tried to put as much stuff as I could thought was cool and cram it all into one book. That's kind of my philosophy of attacking it. So that sounds super fun. And would you, that sort of sounds like steampunk, is that correct? It is, it can be classified as steampunk. Steampunk is kind of, yeah, it's looking at um, science fiction, but science fiction throughout generally the age of steam industrial revolution kind of era. And that's kind of where the birth of, of modern science fiction kind of was because there was so much change happening technologically at that time period that it was natural that people speculated oh where is this going to be in the future and like I said that's where you get um you know Mary Shelley and Jules Verne and some of the Edgar Allan Poe stuff even and um you know 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea and the Time Machine and all these things that we're imagining if we've gone from you look at the difference between um, where we were in 1800 and where we were in 1900. You're going from, you know, basically transportation on horseback to, to the beginning of like flight in that, in that one period. So you've got a lot of change. And I think that's what made people excited about science fiction. So steampunk, as I ramble, is uh, almost like kind of a, a, uh, a nostalgia for that level of science fiction so you see it it's kind of become fairly popular again recently and a lot of it is 
um, yeah, just that, that kind of Victorian feel with some science fiction elements thrown in. Yeah, I like it because it's almost a romanticized sci-fi in my mind. It's a simpler sci-fi. Maybe it's a little less scary to me for some reason because you don't have these maybe computers that are going to take over the world at some point. And um, I learned about steampunk three, three or four years ago when I went to my first fantasy sci-fi con. I just love the costumes and seeing everyone's Oh, it looks up. great. It looks terrific. Yes. And um, they're amazing. And I came back and my uncle's a big sci-fi person. And I was describing this to him and he was like, steampunk I've been reading that for years where have you been and my husband said that too and my husband's not even a reader and I was like whoa how do you know this and you're not even a reader he's like everybody knows this <laughs> so yeah I was behind the eight ball on that one I guess yeah. <laughs> well that's, but, that's, cool. that's kind of my thing like I I always enjoyed it I always thought it was kind of a cool idea and that's why I finally decided to write a book in it because I'm like you know what I want to play in that sandbox and that's and is this going to be a series or a standalone it's, it's pr pretty much going to be a series the book is a standalone you can totally read it um it it has a conclusion but i had so much fun with these characters that i'm starting to write another another book with with the same you know following the same characters because they're just a lot of fun and i just enjoyed it tremendously so awesome characters can do that too they kind of get under your skin and you can't let them go Exactly. So tell us about your other books. So I have, um, I have um, a bunch. I have six other books in, and like I said, they kind of span the fantasy and science fiction genre. The first book that I wrote was an urban fantasy called Out of Nowhere um, about a character who's an immortal, who has the ability to heal people with a touch. And he's kind of, he doesn't have full, fully have his earliest memories. <clears throat> But he knows that from having survived for centuries, the people don't understand. People don't trust what they don't understand, and sometimes they lash out against it. So he's tried to live incognito. So now he's in the modern day. He's working as a paramedic because it lets him go to injured people, heal them without really a whole lot of scrutiny, and he can stay in a fairly, you know, not in the spotlight kind of job and nobody's going to question that when he gets the patient to the hospital they're better off than when they were because that's kind of expected uh and that and then some um complications from his distant past come back and and put him in danger and that's the the story that drives the book and it's kind of like i said it's kind of if you look at um and it, I wrote it in like a detective noir kind of style because that's, I like that, like the snarky detective, even though he's not a detective, but it's that, it's that feel. So it's kind of like, if you look at Spencer for Hire meets Highlander is kind of the way I look at it. It's, I, I put a science fiction spin on it, but a lot of it's that, you know, noir, um, sarcastic, cynical outlook on life. And that let me, again, it let me play with my passions. It let me I, I got a degree in history, so it let me pull in things from history because he could have been in the past at various events that I could describe. I could use the the setting of a paramedic in a an economically depressed mill town because that's what I was, and so that was easy to draw on, on experiences and make that feel kind of real. 
and I I just really enjoyed it. So that was my first book, and uh, I did I I um I did a sequel to that was Spitting Image, which was the same character um, in an, another situation. And then I decided to go in a different direction, and I did a uh, kind of a pulp sword and sorcery in a in the fashion of the old, like um, Fafra and the Great Mouser, Fritz Lieber stuff, the H, um, Robert E. Howard, kind of Conan feel, though, though like short, uh, quick, action-oriented um, fantasy stories, because I miss those. Um, I read those when I was younger, and then things kind of trans transitioned into the big epics, and there's nothing wrong with the big epics. But I miss a couple of like kind of, uh, you know, rogue type characters who go on a quick little adventure, steal some jewels, uh, you know, and, and, and make their escape and find out that they, their, their money's gone and now they have to go on another adventure kind of thing. And that, that's just fun and I missed it. So I did a couple of books in that um, where I have a a pair of platonic uh, buddy rogues who go and they engage in, you know, petty theft and, and sword fights and chases across rooftops and encountering ancient uh, guardians in ancient temples and, and, and spells. And, and again, it's all the stuff that I thought was fun and cool. And um, I did a, a sequel to that one. So there's two of the urban fantasy, two of the, uh, sword and sorcery books and then I decided I was going to write a military science fiction just because why not uh, <laughs> the thing is I like so many different subgenres that I want to play in all the sandboxes I wanted to do uh, it, it's space marines it's kind of near future it's in the solar system they're uh in, on a ship that's patrolling the asteroid belt and there's um you know, pirates, there's uh, valuable ores being mined in the asteroid belt and there's, and that, and there's, you know, government conspiracies and piracy and, and corporations kind of shadily moving behind the scenes to do stuff. And again, it's um, action and adventure and, and that was um, in every time and place, which, is every kind of place comes from a line from the uh, Marines hymn, but I figured every kind of place now includes space. And that was kind of a cool idea. And I had fun with that. And uh, then I did, I've done a bunch of short stories. I had a historical fiction novella where I put my character from out of nowhere back in the, it's called Advancing on Paris. I put him in Napoleon's retreat from Moscow because it was an interesting, um, time period to be in and it's it's him he gets separated from his retreating army and he has to use his wits and his his natural talent and and uh he's a badly accented russian to try to blend in and escape and and survive that so that was just an interesting um thing to play with and now <laughs> rather than develop any of these series further on i decided yeah. i would go in a whole new direction and I would play with uh, a, a steampunk, a steampunk uh, horror adventure kind of thing. So I'm I'm all over the map. 
Well, it sounds like no matter what genre you're writing in, you're having tons of fun and really weaving in all these elements from your life, the history, the military background, your background as a paramedic, and they just sound like really fun books. And that that's really what I'm looking for. I'm I'm looking to have fun with it. I want I want it to be fun and entertaining. Your military side, I just watched that, watched that movie, Don't Look Up. Have you watched the movie yet? The brand new one? I haven't seen it yet, no. That's what it, your military sci-fi government um, espionage and plots and um, company plots to steal the ores off the asteroids are definitely reminding me of that movie, so you, you should look it up. I will, I will definitely check it out. It's on my list. Unfortunately, I watched it the day before we had to evacuate from the fires, and I, <laughs> I thought I it was all my fault. <laughs> so um, don't watch it when you're feeling a little vulnerable, because the next okay. day you'll be like, what is going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> and unfortunately, as authors, we have this creative brain, um, and we could create lots of different um, things that may go wrong in our world, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, it, I think it's really fun that you wove in your first urban fantasy character. I didn't get his name, but that he was a paramedic, that he was healing people. That sounds like the perfect place for him to be, because if he was a doctor, he might have too many people, too many eyes on him, but as a paramedic, he's going in and out. Exactly. Um, the character's name was Sean Denae, and uh, that's one of the one of the challenges I had with with that, it was fine for writing that book, but when I wanted to put him in, do some earlier historical stuff with him, I realized he would have had to change, he he would have had to change his name and identity as he got older because he can't, the same guy is kicking around for centuries. Um, so it wasn't like I could just call it like that, you know, like you have like the Harry Dresden series or you have the, you know, um, Daniel's kind of series. I couldn't really do that because his name changes throughout history. Interesting. Um, and again, everybody's like, well, you can't just keep the same name. I'm like, no, because if you go back to his history, he's going to have to be like Marcus Aurelius kind of thing. And nobody's going to be, you know, you're going to remember if your paramedic's last name is, you know, Marcus Decius Moose kind of thing. So <laughs> it, right, I kind of had to change with the times. So, but right. that's, that's what I played with with that. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. That would be a challenge because you want people to remember his character name because he's the same character, but then it he might have to change that over time. So that would be, and maybe you could change it a little bit, like instead of Sean, whatever, he could be Sean someone else, but yeah. um, interesting. And I lost my train of thought on that I'm one. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I, what type... Do you ever tell what type of paranormal character he is or why he's immortal or does he know anyone like himself? Um, it, to a certain extent, yes. He kind of discovers it as he goes. And it's it's not nailed down exactly why um, he is how he is. But there are other groups of um, uh, supernatural characters in the world and again they've kind of tried to operate kind of on the in the, in the fringes because again people don't um trust what they don't understand and they tend to react badly to it so and it's not that they're all they all don't all have this they don't all have the same 
powers and abilities. There's different abilities. And I left it kind of open whether this is a an evolutionary mutation kind of thing where it just shows up in certain, I mean, it's not nailed down because he doesn't exactly know. So it's not out in the, um, in the book, but whether this is like an X-Men kind of situation where mutations show up, some of them are um, beneficial, some of them aren't, and the ones that make people powerful get passed down. And again, these people try to stay out of the limelight. And that's one of the things he encounters from his past. Somebody notices some, that, you know, somebody who is another gifted person is gets an injury, gets healed, and is like, that was too easy and starts to suspect. And then he's he's on the run from them. I don't know if we lost, oh, there you go. I don't know if we lost a little bit of connection for a minute, it got kind of jerky. That's okay, yeah, so, and you said he doesn't remember all of his history either. So he can't, he doesn't know if he had parents or what that's exactly. That's like exactly. a really, yeah, that you could, do a lot of things with that series and that character. It sounds really neat. What, yeah. can you still hear me? And I'll be honest, I think it, it, it taps into my writing. Yes. Okay. The We're video is kind of lagging a little, so I don't know if we're still. Okay. I can hear you fine. We're good. Okay, great. Um, part of it, I'm going to be brutally honest, is the way that I write, I'm not a detailed outliner so I didn't build the whole history behind his character and exactly why he could do what he could do I had an idea and I started running with it and writing a story and so as I wrote and more things occurred to me I filled in the blanks that's kind of how I, I, I work better that way so um, I left a lot of stuff open-ended so that I could fill it in as I went well, as a reader, you don't want to know everything in the beginning either, right? Like that's too much exactly. to take in as a reader. So it's fun to discover those little historical nuggets or the past um, story as you're reading. At least I think it is. Yeah. Well, good, because that's how I write. So <laughs> like that. I think I do that too. Like I sometimes I have to go back and reverse and do some reverse story world building and story building. So. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I, and everybody has their own approach. You look at some, like, like Tolkien invented whole languages and cultures for his, for his stories. I, I respect that and I like it, but that's not what I want to do. I want to get the characters into a situation and play with them. Fine. What inspired you to start writing? Um, actually, that ties back to Tolkien. The first <laughs> fantasy book that I read, um, I read The Hobbit. And I was in fifth grade, so I was like nine or 10. And I thought, this is amazing. You can do that? We can make up stories like this? Like we can have dragons and dwarves and wizards and this whole other world, and you can just do that? And I thought that was just the coolest idea. So I kind of, since then, I've always been, you know, thinking up stories. And, and throughout high school and college, I wrote. And a lot of it's very, you know, typical derivative early writing stuff but that's what really that was my gateway drug to fantasy after that I needed to find more I, obviously I read the Lord of the Rings I read everything else that I could find that it was out there then that's when I picked up the old the older stuff like the Robert E. Howard stuff and the um 
Edgar Rice Burroughs and Fritz Lieber and some of those guys that were writing, you know, the short, um, the short science fiction fantasy that originally came from the old pulp novels, like the weird tales and amazing stories and that kind of thing. And then in the 80s, when I was in high school, a bunch of the epic trilogy fantasies started becoming big. And so I read all those and I just really devoured anything I could find. Um, and that's what started me on my, on my, on my path down. Um, because every time I read something in a world, I was like, that's really a cool world. I'd like to do something like that. And I think that's, that's, I assume that's how most of us writers are. We see things and we get inspired by them and we want to play around with them or, or do something in a similar vein. Very cool. Yeah, I, the first fantasy series I read, and I think it was in third or fourth grade, was Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz mm -hmm. and by L. Frank Baum. And now that I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, well, that's steampunk, I think. It kind <laughs> of is. They had it really flying is. Ships, but the technology wasn't much beyond the flying ships and the in Oz was that steampunk world so that's interesting that I just made that connection for myself so you just released in October October Halloween your steampunk book remind me the title of that one again it's called the beckoning void the beckoning void and the paperback just came out what yep. do you have on your agenda next so I started um some work on the the sequel to that um the, the second book, which I don't have a title for yet, but I'm coming up with ideas for that. I've just started writing some initial scenes in that. And I have, I was going to write a second, a sequel to my military science fiction. I actually started it and I got partway into it. And it's gonna sound terrible, but the, my dystopian future seemed too optimistic with the dystopian present we were living in. <laughs> so that kind of derailed me. Um, so I'll probably come back to that. I just got, you know, real life politics just kind of got too real for me to be writing. And I didn't want to write government conspiracies. I didn't want to write that thing at the time because it felt like it was, I originally wrote it. The first book came out in like 2012, 2014, when we were in a very different time period when I felt like it was easier to play with that kind of thing. And then by the time I was writing the sequel in like 2018, I'm like, no, it's just not. We were in a different place and I didn't think it was a responsible. I didn't feel good writing it. So I stopped it and uh, I may come back to it. And I may tweak it. So that's a half written book. But right now I'm, I'm working on um, the sequel to The Beckoning Void because it was just so much fun with, to play with those characters and I can't let them go. So. Well, I love that you aim to make your book fun and escape for readers. That's definitely what I look for in a book. And I think a lot of people do. I also had a dystopian um, book come out in 2019 about a worldwide pandemic. And not surprisingly, I stopped writing the sequel to that book as well. <laughs> exactly. It's like, that's not fun anymore. This no, is it's not fun anymore. Well, it's been so great talking to you, Patrick. Let everyone know where we can find you in your book. Okay, so all my stuff is on Amazon. Um, if you want to go to my personal website, it's uh, inkandbourbon.com. And that has links to all my work, plus a bunch of stuff that I've had um, in various uh, short story online publications and some anthologies that I contributed to. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. 
if you look for Patrick Clark, you'll find me on those. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing and your books with us. Thank, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.